hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I wonder if anybody can, uh, of course you don't have to shout it out loud, but uh, you know, somebody would ask what makes a service a successful service? And uh, I know one of the first things we point to is what God does for us. But I got a little bit of a different viewpoint on that. I think the most successful service is, can we walk out of here saying that God was glorified? Can we walk out of here and saying that he was glorified? That he was lifted up? That he received praise and honor? Because the Bible said that the Lord inhabits the praises of Israel. And it's far more blessed to give than it is to receive. Before we go into the preaching of the word of the Lord, I, I, just, uh, I just would like to one more time, before I walk out of here, I wanna, I wanna make sure that I, that I magnified him, that I, that I gave him glory. And I just, uh, I, I, you join me in any way that you would like to, a personal expression right now to the Lord. Uh, we sang some songs, but... We don't need to be the kind of church that has to have the music get us all emotional and ready. Can we be the kind of church and the kind of body that just will magnify the Lord and will glorify him, will lift him up. He's seated on the throne. He's high and lifted up and his train fills the temple. Lord, to you all, glory and honor and power belongs unto you, O God. I magnify you right out of my heart, Lord. We love you, Lord. We seek you. We need you. Without you, Lord, we can do nothing. I wonder, just a few more moments, if there's somebody in the building that that Jesus is your only hope. I wonder if we can seek him right now like he is our only hope. Listen, folks, we we won't understand the real glory of the Lord unless we come to a place where he is our only hope. I am here to tell you right now, he is my only hope. In him I live, I move, and I have my being. I have got, I have got nothing without him. Nothing without him. Lord, you're worthy, you're worthy, you are worthy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Welcome to all of our our guests. So glad that you have taken the time to join us today, whether you're first time or returning. We're so glad that you took the time to be here. I would like to thank the body of Christ, the members of this uh, local assembly. Thank you for being here today. It's already been stated that we will be having prayer tomorrow evening uh, at 6.30. And uh, we we have prayer meeting the last Monday of each month. Uh, Training, of course, is the first Monday of every month. You have within your hands, if you haven't got one already, everybody, anybody not, anybody not have one of these, the calendar for 2000, all right, hey, you did pretty good, my, my brother, whoever was passing out did real good, we only got a couple, three hands, so uh, these right here, I believe are sitting out there on that table, are they still by the sound booth, right by the sound booth, behind that big altar that we still have in the sanctuary, they're back there on the, pick this up, these are the important dates. Uh, for this body for 2024. Uh, There are several uh, camp meetings. Of course, Jesus Tent Revival is on there in June, uh, and that is is a main focus of what we're doing uh, this year, Jesus Tent Revival, but we have all of our camps, all of the things that we as a body here would like for you to plug into. So, uh, and it's color coordinated on the bottom. If you wanna know what it involves, just look at the color coordinating on the bottom. Sister Becca set this up so I could read it. So if I can follow it, if I can follow it, you are without excuse, as the scripture says. Um, Turning to the word of the Lord, the book of of Genesis chapter number 26. And while you're turning there, uh, we are going to be having a special Valentine uh, Day outreach that we are putting together here at the church. And uh, what that's going to consist of is we are going to focus in an area in our community And uh, we are receiving submissions from people in our community of someone that needs to be reminded uh, that people care for them and that most of all, the Lord loves them. And we are going to partner, we are going to partner with people in our community who are sending us these names and these people 
and we are going to be putting together uh, some flowers, very simple presentation, and we are going to be delivering them on Wednesday, on Valentine's Day. Now, we have some people who will be coming to you. Uh, you're real good at, at, at engaging with people, and uh, we will ask you for your help. If you want to volunteer to deliver those on that Wednesday evening, we will not be having Bible study on Valentine's Day. We will be outside of these four walls, and we'll be focusing on, on blessing uh, our community, sharing our faith, and letting them know that uh, people love them. And so we are beginning to take, we'll begin to take those submissions this week. Again, they're going to come from the community, and uh, we want to engage with them. But that is just one of the things we are going to do. We're going to partner with other people in our community, and we are going to be going and, and taking and delivering a special Valentine gift, flowers, to somebody that they have told us needs uh, to know that they're loved. And we're going to partner with somebody in our community. So we're going to meet a few different people in our community. We're going to do that on Valentine's Day. So uh, there, if, you're, if you're not a part of delivering, we are going to be sharing in the month of February uh, our vision for outreach this year. And uh, you will be able to contribute in several different ways. And so uh, we look for you to, to be able to do that. The altar is here one more week. They did such a great job of putting that together. I just didn't want to leave it for one week and then take it down. But this is the last day that you'll see it for a while. And it was left here as a reminder uh, that we remember the love of Christ and what he did for us. Before we go into this message, I wonder if we can raise our hands one more time and thank him for the sacrifice. Can you thank him for what he did? Can you thank him for the love wherein he first loved us? You can't continue in love without understanding his love for us. Everything flows from his love to us. The word of the Lord in Genesis chapter 26, verse, beginning at verse number one. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gehar. Gerar. Verse 2, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, but dwell in the land. Verse 3, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For unto you and unto your seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. Verse 4, And I will make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto your seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Verse 12, And Isaac sowed in that land, and received the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Verse 18, And Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father, because the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called the names of the wells after the names by which his father had called them. I want to minister today on this subject, the wells of our fathers, the wells of our fathers. Thank you for your attention today. You can be seated. I mentioned last week I was going to endeavor to do something today, so I want you to know I'm going to launch quick. So I would encourage you to, to, to get on the boat right now. Um, I'm going to be like that guy who's uh, got the ski rope behind the boat, and, uh, you know, they, they say, hit it. Well, we're going to try to just to, to hit it. So I hope you're on the boat so that when we dock, you can be ready. Uh, to, you'll be at the destination together with us as well. You know, when you look at the Scripture, you look at the Bible, the Bible is, among many things, uh, among many things, one thing that it is, it is a book of patterns. Uh, we have from creation repetitive seasons, the tilting of the earth and the things which take place. From creation, it has been designed that we have a repetitiveness of seasons that come and go, no matter how much you walk out and curse the winter, it ain't changing until it starts to change in its natural course. Ah, we get a few warm days here and there. Thank you to El Nino or whoever, whatever that jet stream is that comes up from the south. 
but uh, we have repetitive seasons. We've got natural examples in the scripture which typify spiritual realities. Paul, in his writings of Israel, tells us that what was written about them and what they, what they experienced was done so for our example. There's patterns, there's repetitiveness. As a matter of fact, the rabbinical, uh, uh, the rabbinical uh, sect and rabbis, and they teach and have always taught throughout all the years of Israel that what happened to the fathers is going to happen to the sons. Uh, someone said, if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. Well, you're going to have a repetitiveness of history anyway. The thing is, if you don't learn from the mistakes of past history, you're doomed to repeat those things. You're going to have somewhat a repetitiveness. Uh, what my father learned in high school, well, I still had to learn a lot of those same things because there's certain things about life, natural and spiritual, that are foundational issues to our success, whether it's natural or whether it is spiritual. And we can see this pattern in the very opening line of our text. Verse number one says again, and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So we're already seeing a repetitiveness. We are seeing a famine comes in the land, and of course, with a famine coming into the land, there's going to be a test given to Isaac, the same as was given to his father Abraham. And what did the Lord tell Isaac? He said, don't go to Egypt. He said, stay in the land here that I have promised you. Stay where I have put you. Isn't it interesting if we just looked at that? How simplistic the instruction of the Lord is. I know in our society we want something that is so deep and so profound something that somebody never knew before. Well, I'd be careful of knowing something nobody else knew before because humanity's been here a long time. And Moses was a cat that was pretty close to the Lord. And so were those disciples, those apostles. Paul said, I've had so many revelations that the Lord, so that I wouldn't be lifted up in pride, has given me a thorn in the flesh to keep me humble, lest I exalt myself from the abundance of revelation. So thinking that we're gonna have something that nobody else had before, I would encourage us to know that uh, I think it's really in the, in the simplicity of God's instruction. This is not complicated. God does not, there are some mysteries in scripture, but salvation is not one of them. Living for God is not one of the mysteries. There, uh, uh, obedience to God's word is not a mystery. It's interesting, this simple the simplistic instruction of don't go to Egypt, stay in the land where I have placed you. And of course, what did Isaac do? Verse number 12, Isaac sowed in that land. He did what the Lord told him and he received the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. In the midst of a famine, now remember, we're still in famine. In the midst of a famine, God said, don't go to Egypt. Stay in the land where I have placed you and, 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 and stay in the place that I promised you. And Isaac just simply had no other sense but to believe the Lord and he sowed in a land where there was a famine and in the midst of a famine, God brought him a hundredfold. You know what that tells me? He that promised is faithful to perform. However, staying in the Lord's will was not without resistance for Isaac. In verse number 15 of our text, uh, for all the wells of his father that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines stopped them up with earth, filled them up. Abraham and his servants had dug these wells in his day and after the death of Abraham, now we find Isaac going and living in the same land but when he goes to a well that once supplied his father's cattle and his father's household, we find that the Philistines, the enemy, uh, had stopped them up and filled them with earth. And so the question would be, what does Isaac do in the face of resistance? Verse number 18, Isaac dug again the wells of his father. Now, pastor, what is the relevance for us today? 
What's the relevance for these things that we read in scripture today? As the Lord began to reveal and talk to me and show me some things, he reminded me of the words of Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus Christ, where he said this in Matthew, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The prophet Amos was moved of the Holy Spirit when he prophesied and said this in chapter eight, behold, the days will come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea. They shall wander from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro, and they will seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. And I know that, 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 that the initial fulfillment of that prophecy was the nation of Israel, those 12, or excuse me, 10 northern tribes <coughs> that had broken off and they had turned from the Lord and they were the, they were the younger son of the, of, the, of the prodigal story that left the father's house and left the father's name and, and, and defiled themselves with the things of the world. And, and we know that this prophecy of Amos was to the nation of Israel saying, there's coming a day if you don't turn around that there's gonna be a famine in the land, but it's not gonna be like the famine that Abraham went through or Isaac went through. It's gonna be a, a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord. And might I just use a little liberty here, but I do not believe that that was the last fulfillment of that prophecy. I believe a Bible is a Bible of patterns. It is a book of patterns. And as there was a famine that was sent in the land in the days of Israel, I believe also in the last hours there would also be a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord. And please, let's look at the scripture. It does not say that there is going to be a famine of the preaching of the word of the Lord. It does not say that there's going to be a famine for the reading of the word of the Lord. It is a famine of being able to hear the word of the Lord. That's why Jesus said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. There's one thing to have it preached. There's another thing. It's one thing to read it. But there's a whole other thing to hear the voice of God from his own book. There's something about hearing the word of the Lord. <clears throat> and he said there's a famine that's coming in the land. Well, what shall we do? I've got no other thing but to tell you what God told Isaac. Do not go to Egypt. I rise in this pulpit to say that when there's a, a famine for a hearing of the word of the Lord, when there is a famine in the religious community, when there's, if there's a famine in your own life of hearing the word of the Lord, do not go to the world. Do not go to the world looking for our provision. Don't go to where the world is. Don't go to Egypt. Don't go outside. God's telling us, stay where I have planted you because what God has promised, he is also able to perform. You see, in their day, Abraham didn't need to go to Egypt. He went, but he didn't need to go. Isaac didn't need to go to Egypt. Jacob didn't need to go to Laban's house. They were called of God and blessed of God. I would tell us, we do not need to seek the world for any provision in our day. Please hear me right now. When it comes to the famine of the hearing of the word of the Lord, we do not need to seek the world for our provisions. We don't need good ideas. We need God ideas. We don't need, we don't need humans to entice the lost. We need the spirit of God to draw men on to him we don't need to go to the world and here is why everybody under the sound of my voice I stand in this pulpit I told you a couple of weeks ago I've got the pastor of this church like we have no backup plan God's got no backup plan I want to tell this church and anybody who will listen what God has promised he is able to perform is there anybody got a promise in the building oh, is there anybody got a promise in the building I want to rise and tell you what God has promised He's also able to perform. 
If I'm too loud out there, uh, we're trying a different microphone here, so if I'm too loud out there, just raise your hand. You won't be here. Nobody's raising their hand? Well, they're not either. They don't want to be called out or bless the name of the Lord. Bless God. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we're the church of the living God. We are the body of Yeshua Messiah. We're the body of Christ. We don't need to go to the world for our provision. Listen to me. Listen, I'll move on from this. But I think we need to go back to the simplistic instruction. Don't go to the world. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. He told Abraham, I'll be with you. He told Isaac, you don't have to go to Egypt. Stay in the land. And what did Isaac do? He stayed in the land and he planted in that ground and in the midst of a famine, he received a hundredfold. I rise in this pulpit to say, when it comes to revival, when it comes to restoration, when it comes to personal walk with God, we don't need the world's ideas. Stay in the land, do it God's way. And if we'll sow where God's got us, we can have a hundredfold in the midst of a famine. Let me, and I wanna say this, I feel this under the leading of the Holy Ghost. The famine is not gonna be because the world's having the famine. No, this prophecy came to the people of God. And you know what it means? It means that I receive a hundredfold. It's not that we're comparing what we're doing with the world. No, it's in the very born again believer's body. It's in the body of Christ where those who will do it God's way when others are starving spiritually, sitting on pews and sitting on seats, you can have a hundredfold in your own life if you will do this God's way. And God's way is simple. Don't go to Egypt. Stay where I placed you. Do it my way. He said, and I will bless you. And Isaac had no other idea but just to do it God's way. And he blessed him with a hundredfold. However, oh, there's always a but. I was a preacher preached that message years ago. Get your butt, B-U-T, out of the way. You know, we've got a I would, but, I'd like to do this, but. I would have been in church today, but. I tell everybody, just say you're making soup. Somebody said, making soup? One excuse is just as good as another nowadays. You know, you're looking for a way out, you'll find one. Looking for a loophole, you'll find one. But if you look for a reason to stay, stick and stay, you'll find one of those too. I guess it's all in perspective. Even though he had a hundredfold in the midst of a famine, even though in our day and age, I believe there is a famine for the hearing of the word of the Lord. Go to YouTube, you can hear it preached all day long. But I'm here to tell you something, there is something different about somebody just reading the word or preaching the word and actually having an ear to hear what the spirit is saying. The famine in our day is not the preaching of the word. It's the hearing of the word. And the spirit is calling us to a place to have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to understand. However, remaining in the Lord's will will not be without resistance to us either. And here's why many of the wells that were dug in the days of our fathers have been filled in by the enemy. And what did he fill them with? The same thing the Philistines did. They filled them with earth, or in our day, carnality. Somebody once said, used of the Lord said, the greatest need in the Christian church today may very well not be a move of the spirit, but rather a removal of carnality. A getting in and pulling out what has stopped up the wells that have already been dug by those who have went before us, filling them with earth, filling them with carnality. I am not going to go down a list. Oh, I could give you a list, but that'd be my list. But just let me tell you what the Bible calls it. The Bible said if you're carnal, you're gonna mind the things of the flesh. And if you're spiritual, you're gonna mine the things of the spirit. I think everybody in here right now can take a self-help test right there and do some introspection and see which way we fall. 
We don't need a list, but let me tell you what the Bible refers to it as. Those wells have been filled with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I stand in this pulpit today with a, with a burden from the Lord to tell us, all of us, from this pulpit, all the way from the least to the greatest, from the left to the right, from the north to the south, <clears throat> that we all must recognize what spiritual wells have been stopped up in our lives and what they have been filled with so that we can begin to remove them. And I want to say not only must we recognize that the enemy has filled some of the wells of our fathers with earth and with carnality, it's not enough just to recognize it, but we all must with an absolute resolve decide that we will redig again the wells of our fathers that went before us. There's no backup plan. God does not need our ingenuity. <clears throat> Jacob did that for many years. The Lord blessed Jacob in the work of his hands. He sure did, but make no mistake, it was the work of Jacob's hand. And you got this long stretch where God blessed the work of Jacob's hand, but if Jacob would have just simply believed the Lord, then the Lord would have not only blessed Jacob's hand, but he would have had the blessing of God's hand. You see, if you stay in the land of famine and you do it God's way, you're getting God's results. And I don't know what you want, but I'd rather have God work in the clay than me. <clears throat> I'm not a master of nothing. I'm jack of all trades, master of none. But I know one who is a master. I know one who knows how to put his hand to the lump of clay. All he needs from me is somebody who's willing and obedient. And he said, you will eat of the good of the land. We must, with resolve, decide that we're going to redig the wells of our fathers. What wells? I'm going, to go, I'm going to go quickly through these. We need to redig some wells of our fathers that went before us. Amen. Going with the line that maybe what we need in the Christian church is not so much a move of the spirit as it is a removal of carnality. You see, because the well is already springing. The wells of salvation have already been tapped. You get into an artesian well, we got one flowing out at our property in Millington. That thing's been running for over 100 years. I mean, it just pumps out. I mean, it, it, I mean it, we, got it, we got it dialed down right now, but if you get, get rid of that thing, buddy, it'd be a geyser. I mean, it's, I mean, it's been running, pumping water like crazy for 100 and some years. Because <clears throat> once you tap into the source, that thing just keeps flowing. And I want you to know something. There is no and to the increase when you're talking about drawing from the wells of Yeshua. That's what the original text says. The wells of salvation, the word is Yeshua or Jesus. So when they were quoting the scripture on that day, the great day of the feast, with joy shall you bring waters from the wells of Yeshua. And that's why Yeshua stood up and said, uh, any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. I'm, I'm the one who's got, I'm who you're talking about. I'm who you're talking about. Once you tap into it, buddy, it's gonna to continue to flow. But you take a well, I can stop up that well. I can prevent that well from stopping. I can, I can prevent it up. I can slow it down. I can speed it up. I can let it flow. But there's some wells that we need to redig. some wells of our fathers. And one of those wells, I believe, is the well of faith. Without faith, it no matter what it is, is impossible. Without faith, it is impossible. I stand here to tell us that we don't need to have faith in the situation or the circumstance. Many have looked at the circumstance and they say, God's gonna, the circumstance is gonna turn out all right. Not always. Our faith cannot be in God turning the circumstance. Our faith must be this, that no matter the circumstance, 
No matter the situation, I don't have, we cannot have faith in God that the circumstance will be okay. What our faith needs to be is, is that no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, I'm going to be okay. I don't care, oh, I feel him right now. I feel my help. I don't care if there's a famine in the land. I don't care if it's falling all around down outside me. I don't care what's happening. I'm putting my faith that no matter what takes place, that I, that we will be okay. Because the circumstances are not always the greatest. Isaac had some circumstances of resistance that they weren't, they weren't ideal. But our faith cannot be in the circumstance being okay. Listen, because you're going to be most disappointed with other people. And when you get disappointed with other people, you want to know how to fix it. Real deep here. Go home, look in the mirror, and say, people are disappointed with you too. <laughs> and then go out and do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Oh, I know that's simplistic, but you know what that has to do? That means you got to look at the man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror, and put the blame where it belongs. Not on you per se or your brother per se, but on carnality, which we all share. Well, praise God. Give and it shall be given. Press down, shaken together. We use that for money. You may be able to use the principle for money, but it's not a, money's not in the context there. He's talking about judgment. So how you judge a brother and how you come against a brother, you know what he said? He said, when it comes back to you, it's gonna be pressed down, shaken together, shall other men pour into your, so in other words, if you've got no mercy for a brother, then when you need mercy, mankind will show you no mercy. And not only will they not show you any mercy or forgiveness, it's gonna be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So you may have, so, so when you dig out judgment and disappointment with a brother or sister, I know, I know we all do it, but here's my thing. I said this before. Take a teaspoon and use a teaspoon to shovel it out. But when it comes to mercy and it comes to love, get yourself a big old shovel. And when it comes time to give shovel, just shovel out mercy and shovel out grace because you're gonna be disappointed with mankind. So your faith cannot be in man performing his duty. Our faith has got to be in God. Regardless of what the circumstance is, the weapons form against us. The Bible said not a one of them will prosper. <laughs> Whose report you're gonna believe? <laughs> Though mountains stand before us, we've seen them move before. The writer said a thousand will fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come nigh unto me. I want to urge us as I move on, let us determine in our heart that we're going to redig the wells of our Father where it concerns faith. We, had, we came from a tradition where they walked by faith and not by sight. We came from people that walked before us that didn't have groceries and didn't have the help that we have at our fingertips. And you know what they did? I can still hear great-grandma praying, Lord, you know that I need some food. You know that we need supplies and we don't have them only to have somebody ring the door and you walk out and there's bags of groceries there. Our faith needs to be that God alone is our provider. If, you're, if you put your faith in how many zeros you have at the end of the bank account, zeros are always better at the end than in the beginning. We know that, right? If your faith is in the bottom line of your checkbook, that's fine and dandy, and God can provide, but you might not have very many zeros. You wanna know the richest people in here are not the people who are rich with money, it's the people who are rich in faith because my father owns all the gold. You know all that money you got in the bank? My father gave you the ability to, learn, to earn that and he gave it to you. And if God wants me to have it, he needs me to have it, he's gonna provide because it's all his anyway. Faith doesn't equal laziness. We'll end that. We need to redig the wells of the Spirit quickly. We need to redig. We need to redig the well of faith 
But we also need to revisit the wells of our Father when it concerns the Spirit of God. Zechariah 4, 7 said, Who art thou, O great mountain? You are going to become a plain. You're going to be brought low. And we're going to bring forth the headstone with shouting. There's a mountain in front of us. But who are you, O great mountain? And when we write on the headstone of that mountain, we're going to bring that mountain's headstone out. Headstone means something died. And we're going to bring forth that with shouting. That's what verse 7 said. You know how that gets done? It's verse number 6. But this is the word of the Lord. He said, it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. I said it last week. If we lose the spirit, we might as well close up shop. This is a spiritual covenant. It's, it's, it's all about the spirit. Oh, you apostolics couldn't do anything without preaching the Holy Ghost. Why in the world would I want to? Because it's not by power, not by human ingenuity. It's not by might. It's by the Spirit. So I want to tap into the Spirit. I want to have the Spirit. Not only have been filled with it, but I want to walk in it, flow in it, not just get into the ankles, but man, I want to stretch out a little bit deeper and see what happens. I want to go to where it's waters to swim in, where no human being of himself can pass it over. You see, the depths of all these things with God are so awesome. Isaiah the prophet said, look to Zion. The glorious Lord will be a place of broad rivers and streams to us wherein no galley with oars will go. That means there ain't gonna be no galley where there's oars sticking outside and men are powering this thing. No, this is a sailboat. <clears throat> he said, this is a sailboat. There ain't gonna be no manpower on these rivers. Here's what he said. He said, but, he said, but in order, he said, you, you try to travel on it. He said, but the tacklings are loosed and they could not strengthen their mast and they could not spread the sail. You see, when you can't spread the sail, you can't catch the wind and the breath of the Spirit. And when you can't do that, then you do the next best thing. You start trying to row yourself. But I wonder if there's anybody in the building. Are you tired of rowing yourself? Are you tired of trying to do, are you trying to, are you trying to find salvation? Uh, are you tired of doing that for yourself? Why don't you come to him, all you that labor and heavy laden and under the load, and I'll give you rest. <laughs> Are you trying to live for God on, on your ability to dot the I's and cross the T? Aren't you tired of wait, leaning on your own strength? Aren't you tired of doing that? Well, there's a way out of it. It's called the Spirit. I want to be led of the Spirit. I want the Spirit to have such a voice in my life, a power and an authority and a control to where I can strengthen the mass and set the sail and say, Lord, take it wherever you would have it go. Matthew 12, or excuse me, the scripture said this. Jesus said, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit. In Acts 11, there was one named Agabus that stood up and gave a prophecy by the Spirit. In Romans 8, he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 1 Corinthians says, you're washed, we are sanctified, we're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit. In 2 Corinthians, he said, we all, we're all changed into the same image of Messiah from glory to glory by the Spirit. First Peter said, for Christ, after it was put to death in the flesh, he was brought to life by the Spirit. First John 3, hereby we know that he abides in us by the Spirit that he gave unto us. The, Spirit, the Bible said the only way to live the overcoming life and the only way to overcome the flesh in Romans 8 is by the Spirit. And I would like to ask us a question that the Apostle Paul, again, it is a pattern of repetition. It's a pattern of repeatedness and we're gonna have the same testings. I would like to ask us the same question that Paul asked the Galatian church in Galatians chapter three. Are we so foolish to think that what begun in the, in the Spirit that we can be made perfect by the flesh how are we so foolish to think that we can start in the spirit? Let me tell you something. You know how you got in the body of Christ? You were filled with the spirit. When he filled you, you spoke with tongues as the Holy Ghost came. You spoke as the spirit gave the utterance. God got control of the most unruly member of our body because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when God fills the heart, the mouth speaks. And it speaks a language of a, of a miraculous language that you don't know, that you didn't learn because it's the spirit speaking through you and it is the initial sign of the evidence 
of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I would ask us, are we so foolish to think that what began in the Spirit, we're gonna finish by doing this in the flesh. This started by the Spirit. This started with the Spirit in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, and it will finish by the Spirit when the dead in Christ rise first and we which are alive and remain and are resurrected together to meet the Lord in the clouds to be with him forever. Now, Wednesday evening, we're gonna talk more about what it looks like to be led of the Spirit. I don't have time to go into that today, but just understand, this is a Spirit covenant. And finally, I finish with this. Yet, redig the wells of faith. Redig the wells of relying on the Spirit. Yet, it's nearly impossible. It's, it's nearly if not entirely possible, I should put that in there. It's nearly, if not entirely impossible to be filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, sanctified by the Spirit, made immortal by the Spirit if we don't redig one other well. And that's the well of the secret place. We've got to go back to the headwaters of all of it. The secret place is the headwaters of all of the flow of the things of the kingdom of God. It's the secret place. Redigging the well of prayer is gonna be met by great resistance from the enemy and our own flesh. Condemnation is going to come from the enemy that's going to try to make us feel that no matter how much we pray, it's never enough. The enemy is going to try to convince us that we will always be reaching, but yet never obtaining the promises of God. You ever felt that? You don't have to raise your hand. But I'm going to tell you what you do. The devil is a liar. As a matter of fact, the Bible said there's no truth in him. You know what that means? If he's opening, yeah, I, I've heard, I've, I know some people. I, this is, I know some people that I've been, been acquainted with that people have said this about this. <clears throat> you think he was lying? Was, it, was, he, was, he, was, he, was he talking? Yeah, then he was lying. Somebody said, if his mouth's open talking, he's lying. Well, put that to the devil. If he's talking, he's a lion. The Bible said there's no truth in him. As a matter of fact, there's no light in him. He has to transform himself as an angel of light. He's got to transform himself and make you think, but there's no light in him. There's no truth in him. He's a liar. And then, of course, our flesh will pressure us with its lusts, even sometimes the cares of life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, to the point where our secret place with God is almost non-existent. But I'm reminded of the words today of the apostle when he said, be persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the secret place with God the Philistines came if you read the story he dug a well and they said no you can't have this well this is ours and he had to go and he had to go dig another well of his father and he said no no this one's ours too and then he went and he dug and he dug until finally there was no there was no there was no enemy there to say you can't have this one we did reset in this church about resetting our prayer life probably started strong and probably got through it. But let me ask you the question, how's it going now? Did we one reset for 21 days and now we're back to, you know what that means? That just means the enemy said, no, you can't, you can't have this well yet. You can't have this well yet. So do you know what you do? Let me encourage you. Go and dig it again. I don't care if you got to pull out that reset book again. Pull it out again. And you keep digging it until the enemy says, not fighting with him over that anymore. Yeah. He got victory over that. 
You know why? Because he's redug that well and he was going to dig it and she was going to dig it and there wasn't height nor depth nor principality nor power or as it's been said in the, in the, in the, old, the old saying, the old saying is that there was this guy, a big flood came and this guy's out there mowing his lawn in about six, six foot of water. And he's, the guy's watching and things moving. He's going, what, what in the world he's doing? And he, then it's a flood. What's he doing? This guy's mowing his lawn. And he goes, what are you doing over there? And his wife said, he just determined that come hell or high water, he was mowing the lawn today. That's an old, old, that, that, that's a phrase from the wells of our fathers way back. But you know what? We need to be determined that come hell or high water, we are going to redig the wells of our fathers. I want to encourage you. We need to redig the well of the secret place and the well of faith and the well of the spirit and keep digging it and redigging it. And when the enemy wants to fill it in with earth and he wants to contend with you, you're gonna have resistance because anything kingdom worthy, the enemy in our flesh is gonna resist it. Stand with me. I finish with this because it's so very, very important. It's probably the thing that matters as much as anything else. In the book of Genesis, chapter 26, verse number 18, in our opening text, the Bible said that Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they dug in the days of Abraham, his father, because the Philistines had stopped them up. And he called the wells after the names by which his father had called them. Isaac didn't think there was any need to rename it, to claim it. The original names that his father gave him were good enough for him and they were accepted. You know, the wells of our fathers and the wells of scripture can become blocked with tradition, superstition, and even deception. The Bible teaches us to beware of false teachers. The Bible calls them wells without water. We don't need to change holiness. We don't need to change the message of salvation. If the apostle Peter was standing here today and he preached the same message that he preached on the day of Pentecost and somebody came with pricked in their heart and the spirit moved on them and they said to the apostle Peter here in January of 2024, what do I need to do? He's gonna give them the same answer that he gave them 2,000 years ago. What I'm here to tell you is we do not need to change the wells of our fathers. We don't need to change holiness to make it adapt to our culture and to make us fit in. The Lord said, don't go to Egypt. Stay here. Believe me that what I have promised, I am also able to perform. We don't need a better way to do this. We don't need a better way. All we need is to redig the wells of our fathers. I'm reminded of, of Jesus with the woman at the well in Samaria. Jesus said to her, whoever drinks of this water, the water coming from this well, you're going to thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I have the water that comes from this well he said you will never thirst again and not only will you not thirst again but it'll spring up in you as a well of everlasting life I wonder if you can join me today by raising your hands and say oh oh that I might be drawing from the right well Oh, that I might be drawing from the right well today. I'm not asking you to draw from the wells of the Baptists or the wells of the Presbyterians or the wells of the Apostolics. 
I'm drawing you today and calling you today and, and, and commissioning and urging you and challenging you to well, to draw from the wells of Jesus Christ himself. The prodigal said this. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm in the midst of a land that's got all this famine. But in the midst of this famine, do you know where the supply was? The supply wasn't where he was at in the famine. The supply was, even while the famine was in the land, he said, if I get to my father's house, I know there's plenty there. And you see, in the midst of famine, if we'll get to our father's house, if you walk out of your seat right now and you come to this place and make a pact, Lord, I wonder if we can raise our hands right now and be honest with the Lord. As you move, I'm gonna ask you to move from your seat. Everybody that will, if you'll move from your seat, move your position, if you will. If you're one of our guests, we're not gonna pray at you. Every single individual that's ever come to Christ has had to come through the same door. There's not a different entry. There's only one door. There's only one way, one truth, one life. But I wonder if you come to this place today, can you talk to the Lord and say, Father, what are the wells that have been stopped up in my life? And can you grant me, Lord, with your help, the resolve to redig them again? Can we raise our hands? Come to this place seeking the Lord. Come on, do we need to, what kind of church do we want to be? Do we need the music? Do we need to have it set the tone? Or can we come right out of here and right out of our own heart? I want to redig the wells of my fathers. I'm going to redig the wells of faith. We're going to redig the wells of trusting the Spirit. We're going to redig the wells of the secret place. And keep you. Make his face shine upon Yeah, that's it. Come on, praise and team. be gracious to you. Come on, man. The Lord turn his face <laughs> toward you. Come on, it's not complicated. All it takes is a total surrender. A total surrender is the only way this works. We can't serve 